Brady throws the ball downfield. He's got Evans toward the end zone. Evans makes the catch. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. What a great throw by Brady. This is Buccaneers Total Access. Fire the cannons. Brought to you by Frontier. Uncable yourself. Get fiber internet. And by Hooters. Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. Dropping to throw Mahomes. We run a stunt, run a stunt. And we sack him at the 50-yard line. Wow, he's clobbered. Now your host, Bucks team reporter, Casey Phillips. Welcome into Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owl's Nest. Casey Phillips here joined by none other than Buccaneer legend, Rondé Barber. Rondé, thank you so much for coming in and not only for coming in to talk about this, but uh, to talk about a game that is probably not the most fun to talk about. So thank you, as always, for just like in your playing days, you're there for us no matter what. I woke up this morning, Casey, wondering how you convinced me to do this. I mean, I would like to think it's one of my greater successes in my career is convincing you to do this. So thank you. Well, then again, I remember that I really like your job that you do. And, you know, I'm still a huge Bucks fan, win, lose, or whatever else that was yesterday. It's it's a different category. (laughs) All right. Well, you know what? Let's dive into this. And uh, if anyone can make sense of it, it is you. So uh, that is going to be my very... First question that really, uh, you know, my prime journalism experience has taught me to ask this in-depth question, what happened? What happened, right? Uh, Well, we got beat by a team (laughs) that had no business beating us. But I tell you, the NFL right now, um, it's like like this. This is what it feels like when I watch NFL football on a week-to-week basis. Um, Aside from the NFC East, which has three really good teams somehow, um, there is so much parity in in NFL football right now. Um, Well, really, you could say the same thing about college football. I I see the same thing happening in college football on a week-in, week-out basis. But for whatever reason, um, the the haves uh, are not separated from the have-nots. And Carolina certainly was a have-not coming into this game. Fired coach. Second game with P.J. Walker starting at quarterback. And really, you tell yourself that there's no chance that they uh, win that football game. But at the end of the day, I mean, I've been in this, you know, NFL 25 years uh, playing and covering it. Uh, and these these type of games happen. And we it happened to us yesterday. Uh, so the that's the long answer. The short answer is we didn't play good enough. Um, plain and simple. Um and it's not that we didn't have a good plan. It was just we didn't execute as well. And there's certain instances in every game where uh, things change that turn it one way or the other. And we gave up a huge run when it was seven to nothing. And I think if we get a stop there, they're, they're backed up again. You know, we get a chance to finally get right. The offense got rolling later in the game, but it just wasn't enough uh, at that point. And I don't want to say this team was demoralized, but there was something going on uh, after that 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 big run because they scored on the very next play. We went out, went out, didn't didn't really answer, uh, and then they scored on another big big play. Uh, and all of a sudden, it's twenty one to three, and you're scratching your head saying, "How did that happen?" But we all watched it. We know what it looked like. So. Um, all you can do is bounce back, right? And no better way to bounce back than a three-day week and go play on Thursday. <laughs> I mean, I was going to ask, do you feel like this is the best or worst time to have a Thursday night game? That's a great question, Casey. Um, I'm trying to remember back when I was playing, if I ever had one of these kind of demoralizing losses, so to speak, 
and then uh, had a Thursday game. And I, I can't remember if I did. I'm, I'm, maybe I did. I played long enough. I'm sure one of them happened that way. But um, I think it's the best thing. Um, not only because not only because you get a, a, a more immediate chance to correct it, uh, but it gives you um, a certain sense of urgency. Um, you know, your preparation has to be sped up. I mean, guys usually get the, you know, the, the couple of days off or, you know, a couple of down days before they really start prepping. Now they're right back in it. You know, they're looking at Baltimore right now saying, how do we now correct what we, what we uh, obviously didn't execute well on Sunday. It's better. You know, if you say, if you had this on a, a Sunday night game or Monday night game, you're just brooding over it for six or seven days. That's when it gets hard because people want to talk about it. You have to answer questions. You know, at this point, you know, this team is starting to look forward to Thursday. They have to. They have to put it behind you. Uh, I'm hoping that Todd and Byron actually just threw this tape in the trash and didn't <laughs> didn't have to coach it up much uh, and just moved on. So we'll see. So tell me now, as a guy who obviously was a leader in a locker room, what is this like as a player at this moment of maybe all different levels of the roster of how you handle it, how the leaders try to handle it? Because the thing is, I'm sure there was already a lot of the rah-rah, yelling and screaming, you know, whatever you had in you as a player and as a leader last week, which obviously did not end up translating somehow. So yeah. now what? You know, if you were the player you were then now in this locker room, what are you doing right now? Well, I think there's a couple of ways that as a leader you can choose to handle it. One is just getting upset and yelling at everybody. And that feels good in the moment, but at the end of the day, it's usually not the the correct path. Uh, trust me, I've I've been there. I've done that. You got to find a way uh, from a leadership perspective to empower people, right? You can look at the film. I'm sure guys will look at the film, even if they did or did not look at it together. Who knows? Um, but you you can look at the film and you can find some good things. Like I I'll, I have to do film session, as you know, for 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 um, the website, and I'll find good stuff. But you can't lean on the good stuff. Uh, I remember having good games when uh, we played poorly, and I never felt good about them. And so I, I think from a leadership perspective, you have to just accept it, accept that it was a bad performance. And then look at yourself in the mirror and say, what can I do, first of all, better? And what more can I do while still doing my job? Um, th those messages need to be relayed um, um, from the top down. And I and I, I, I believe that, you know, this team is veteran enough, has enough veterans uh, that, that that will happen. Um, the worst thing you can do is, like I said, is just dwell on it and point fingers and tell people why they're wrong. Um, at this point, it's the 53-man roster is what it is. There's not going to be a lot of change. So it's it's about people in the room rallying around each other. Uh, and, and, and honestly, finding a way to deal with adversity. Adversity makes you better a lot of the times, right? I heard Aaron Rodgers, who's in the same boat, right? Green Bay's in the same boat as the Bucks are right now, three and four. And he's like, sometimes it's the best thing that can happen to you uh, because you, you have to lay it all out there and, and realize that you're not good enough right now. Uh, and that's, uh, that's what this team needs to do. We're talking to Bucks legend Rondé Barber, and it's like you read my mind of what my next question was. My next question was going to be, so what are the changes that can or need to happen at this point in the season? Because, you know, like you said, that you kind of have the people you do for the most part. I mean, maybe there's a, a trade or something by the deadline, but you, right. you have these people in the building. So now what? How do you make some changes and right the ship? 
Well, that's uh, it's funny you say that because when I you know watch the film, watch the game film, and I and I write notes to myself at the very top of the page, I said, "Change for change's sake." <laughs> Right. Not that you're, you know, wholesale changes. I mean, you're you're not going to scheme a new defense or scheme a new offense or, you know, call plays, you know, drastically different. Um, but sometimes a change for whatever reason and however minuscule or, or grandiose the change is, it, it'll help. It's just a different way of doing it, whatever it is for that particular player, that particular unit or group of, of players, um, it, it, can, it can make the difference because at least it makes it feel like you're doing something, right? What we're doing is not working, right? It hasn't worked in two games against two teams that we certainly should have beaten. Um, so now you, now you got you to gotta ask yourself, and this comes from the coaches, it comes from the leaders in the locker room, uh, it comes from the best players. You know, you're not talking about rookies or young guys who really aren't playing. You're talking about the guys that have been there before. What is what is the one change that you can make uh, that that gets us over the edge? And uh, to me, this this team is way too talented to have uh, these kind of outings. Um, so for me, if I'm if I'm in that locker room, if I was in that locker room right now, I would be wanting everybody to say what what how can I how can I have even more enthusiasm about going to practice today, uh, and then practice the next day, and then wake up loving my job on Wednesday because I know I have to win a game on Thursday. That's where this team needs to go. And it, I hope that character reveals itself uh, in the next three or four days. Well, one of the potential changes that we saw on Sunday was the rotation of Luke Gedeke and Nick Leverett. Yeah. Um, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. And, you know, we've heard Coach Bowles say in his press conference that, of course, we did see that there's a chance Luke Gedeke is a little bit injured and on a short week. We don't know what that'll mean. But he said that even if Luke is healthy that Leverett will still play some so it yeah. feels like this sort of and you know we we see the rotation on the D-line all the time that is that is not as much a common thing when it comes to the offensive line what are your thoughts on just yeah. Gedeke so far the idea of rotating in with Leverett and the impact that could have on this offensive line yeah the the one thing about offensive line play that nobody ever talks about is that continuity it's why you don't rotate players um you know there's there's a lot of communication uh, verbal and nonverbal communication that, that has to go on between especially the guards you know between the centers and the, and the tackle uh which doesn't really make it conducive so when i when i said that luke was going to rotate with uh, leverett was I surprised? No, not at all, because I think um, uh, he, he's earned the right. He's probably had some good practices. He had a very good preseason uh, uh, doing those games. I remember seeing him rotate at three, three or four positions across the interior offensive line. So they know they had value uh, in Nick. Uh, and then you put on the film and and you see the struggle. There, there was, there's been a little bit of a problem at left guard. Um, uh, and we knew that uh, Luke is uh, he's a rookie. He's, probably a year away from having the functional strength to deal with some of the guys that he's had to deal with. Uh, but you bet you learn best by putting guys in situations to learn. Uh, unfortunately, he's on a team where the expectation is that he's got to be at least as competent as Ali was for the last six, seven years. And that's just not the case. He's, he's, he hasn't proven that, that he is that guy yet. So you, you rotate based on, uh, base, basically, uh, who's earned it, right? Luke, Luke earned it right to start to begin this year. He hasn't played as well as I think he or the team would have wanted him to, 
So now you give Nick a chance. At least you, you're getting the opportunity now for those guys to compete in season, which doesn't happen very often. You let them compete, uh, see which one comes out better. And hopefully when this, this ship is righted, proverbial ship there uh you know one of those guys takes takes the job by the by the reins and 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 then the play gets better overall that's what you're looking for um it's not necessarily throwing in the towel but it's it's certainly putting you know uh putting that position on notice and uh, i think last uh this past game i um you know luke struggled a little bit again uh nick went in i think did a did a good job i mean he had a couple of plays too where i was like uh, okay obviously hasn't played in seven weeks uh since since preseason three um but it, it's 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 still that change for change sake that's more or less some of the things that i'm talking about you do you make moves like that so you put the whole team on notice and say look something's got to give if this is it this is it if it's not we'll keep trying to find out what it is all right, well, we have plenty more coming up here to find out what it is with uh, Rondé Barber here with us on Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owl's Nest. Brought to you by Frontier and Hooters, this is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access continues. Brought to you by Frontier and by Hooters. Here again is Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. We are back here on Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owl's Nest. I am joined by Buccaneer legend Rondé Barber. Uh, before the break, we were just talking about the rotation of Luke Gedeke and Nick Leverett, but how about we talk about the rest of the O-line between, you know, Robert Hainsey, now that we've gotten to see him in that role for a while, the new addition of Shaq Mason since this last year, and then also the tackles, just what you've seen from the group as a whole, even though we know that the Luke Gedeke leverett storyline is kind of the bigger one as of lately. What about the rest of the group this season? Well, I still think uh, our right tackle is the best in football. I just, I never see him get beat. I think he got beat on an up and under. It was maybe a combo block yesterday. It was the first time, it was, it was a run play. It's the first time I think I've ever seen him not just stone somebody at the line of scrimmage. Um, but yeah, the, the the group, I think, can play better. They don't say that. You just look at their runs, the run stats. That's the one area uh, of this team that is really just not not functioning well um and and whether that's you know frequency or you know getting in the rhythm of running the football whether or not they've they've gotten to that point yet this season I, it doesn't feel like it so it's hard for me to say that they're playing great but the reality is uh tom's not taking many hits um you know we 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 are a team that is very pass heavy relying on it because we have one of the best passers in the history of the game. Um, and he's still one of the least sacked quarterbacks in the league. So in that regard, they're, they're certainly playing better. Um, but that, but that being said, when I watch, when I watch them, uh, whether it's the, the, the actual game or watch it on film, you can tell that there's, there's still that trust factor. That's not quite there with the, with the entire unit. Uh, Hainsey, I think is, is doing a great job. Um, you know, is he Ryan Jensen? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, and that's no knock against Hainsey. Ryan Jensen's a very good player. He's a Pro Bowl player last year. He's got big, big shoes to fill. Um, but, I, but I think he's playing well, and I think he'll play even better when the the the, the, the spots beside him play a little bit better. Shaq Mason looks like Shaq Mason. Um, you know, he's one of the grinding type of players. He has been for years when he was in New England. He's the same kind of guy here. Um, but again, he's he's trying to figure figure this all his teammates out 
And it looks like that at times. There's times when uh, that interior combination of guys is not quite right. And to be honest with you, I think that's affecting Tom's play a little bit. Um, so can they get better? Absolutely. And they need to get better. Um, and, they, and they know that not only running the football, uh, but just being able to communicate and, and trust each other. Uh, so their quarterback feels, you know, even more safe than he, than he, than he normally is. You brought up the run game a little bit, and I, I wanted to ask about the struggles in particular on third down of this offense. You know, they yeah. only converted two of them. They were 0 of 6 the second half, and I'm sure these are sort of related of the, the run game and then the, the third down offense. And uh, But just overall, the, the situational football and then the run game at large, what do you feel like you see when it comes to especially, again, the situational aspect of whether it's third down, it's red zone, you know, it's the the killer plays where it's any time of the game you never want to miss a play. But man, there are some times that it, it felt like they have missed plays at the worst times. Yeah, I talked yesterday when uh, some some guys asked me about uh, what what the problem was. You know, what went wrong? Well, I was like missed opportunities, and not only you know missed missed catches. Mike Evans missed catches to start the game, third play of the game, fourth play of the game, whatever that was. Uh, but also third down opportunities, short yardage opportunities. Uh, those are those are times when um, you have to win, right? If you're going to be a good team and you need to get one yard on two downs, you have to be able to get one yard on two downs. And, and if you ask, if, you, if you're looking for a microcosm of why we weren't able to win that game yesterday, that's it. We couldn't get one yard on two downs inside the high red area. Those are game-changing type plays, missed opportunity plays in, in, in situational football uh, where good teams do. You know, you can watch, go across the league and look at the teams that are winning and winning consistently and playing consistent, consistently on offense, and they're converting those. Um, now, is that execution? Is it play calling? I mean, that's not a question for me. For me, it's 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 the attitude of the situation. Are you going to dominate situational football or are you not? And yesterday we didn't. We didn't dominate situational football uh, because that game's entirely different uh, if we score uh, the first missed opportunity, Mike Evans, and then converting on that third or fourth down and then going in and scoring. And I think our 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 team, when we were a 30-point-per-game offense, we used to put so much pressure on teams that they always felt stressed trying to keep up. It hasn't felt like that in the past couple of weeks, to be honest with you. It doesn't feel like that offense has that killer instinct, if you will, uh, of scoring points and making teams feel like they have to catch up. I mean, I watched Kansas City play the, the yesterday afternoon, and San Francisco is always like, oh, I got to catch up. Oh, I got to catch up. They get a three and out. Kansas City scores. That used to be how the Bucks offense works. When that off, when our offense gets back to that point, uh, and I don't know how, you, how they're going to do that, but I expect them to do that at some point this year, it'll start looking like the team that we know that this team can be. So let's talk a little bit about some of the potential reasons for that. First, let's let's talk about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. We'll talk about the rest of the wide receiving core right after this. But I know that we've heard, you know, Coach Bowles and Leftwich talk about needing to do more to maybe get those guys open, and particularly Mike, where, you know, in last week's game, he catches all four targets, but it's only four targets. And, you know, the Steelers' secondary was depleted, and you're thinking, how is a guy like Mike Evans not open more often? And... Looking at the two of those guys, we really thought Chris Godwin coming back would be a big part of that as well. Maybe Mike isn't doubled as much, but what would you say is the usage of those two guys? What can or should be happening with the both of them in this offense to get them going a little bit more? Yeah, well, Mike is uh, Mike is 
he's Mike. He's one of the best five receivers in football. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what his numbers look like. He's big. He's fast. Uh, there's not a one-on-one uh, situation where he shouldn't win. Um, I think Mike had 15 targets yesterday. He had nine catches. I mean, obviously he dropped a big one, but Mike, when I looked at Mike, if I eliminate that first play, the first play that he that he didn't didn't make, he had a good game, you know. And, and a lot of his catches were towards the end of the game. We're trying to rush back into this football game, but it, to me, it doesn't matter who who's covering Mike. Mike should Mike should be targeted like he was uh, yesterday. I mean, unfortunately, none of those resulted in big play touchdowns. You know, they were all you know, uh, you know, long yards gay. I think it had two or three plays over 15 yards or whatever, but they, they didn't, they didn't result in anything. Now you marry that with what we have in Chris and Chris is, Chris is amazing. Um, you know, I could talk about Chris all day long just because of the dirty work that he does. Um, not only blocking game, but, you know, catching screens, running through traffic, uh, making some ridiculous catches. I mean, just on balls that probably should be thrown better, he's still making, you know, ridiculous catch. He had a third down catch that was in traffic that anybody else on his team would have went down for it and would have been incomplete. It was a first down. It was an important first down on, on, a, on a third down call. So what what should they be doing? They should be doing exactly what they're what they're doing. You know, when those guys have the games that they had yesterday, I mean, Tom still threw for 290 yards, and most of it was to those two guys. Uh, Kate Otten had a big day, obviously. Uh, some of those catches were late in the game, but he he had another big day. Most of the most of our most of our offense should go through those guys. So it's up to me. If you're asking me, it's up to everybody else to compliment them. So once once you start feeling like, oh man, I got to take so much. Of, attention put so much attention on 13 and 14 that whoever else is out there needs to be able to take advantage of that and we just haven't been able to do that not in two weeks we have not been able to do that uh at all um and you know can you put some of that on on tom sure but tom's going to get his guys opportunities to make plays uh, they just got to make them for him and you know that 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 goes back to the to the run game right i sit here and watch uh teams that thrive play action pass you don't get anybody to react against play action pass unless you're actually running the ball well. And we're not running the ball well. Uh, big plays happen when you are able to draw up linebackers, draw up coverage, make make defensive, you know, back sevens, eyes, uh, you know, do crazy things. And then all of a sudden you hit a huge play. We just haven't been able to do that. So I, I don't know that you can blame Chris or Mike for any of that. I think they're doing their jobs well enough. Everybody else has to play a little bit better. And then uh, we'll close the offensive part of this out with just what is your thought on the way Tom Brady has looked this season? How much is about what he's not as capable of doing because of the O-line or because of some other weapons or injuries or issues? And where is he still thriving in ways that maybe even people don't recognize or see as much because he did just break the franchise record for consecutive passes without an interception, which of course second on the list is Tom Brady, third on the list, Tom Brady. He has the top three stretches of that in franchise history. So he's, we know he's still good at protecting the ball. We know he's still good at getting out quick. Overall, what would you say if you were looking at Tom Brady this entire season, the way he's executing playing despite what else is going on? Well, his numbers are down, certainly. I mean, I know he's top 10 in passing yardage, somewhere 19. I think he's maybe a couple yards behind fifth, which is Josh Allen. Um, where he's playing well is that getting the ball out of his hands, only has one interception on the year. He's not taking any sacks. 
where he's not playing great is getting the ball or getting uh, our offense in a position where we're converting third downs consistently. We're just, we're not there. Uh, I know he uses a check down a lot. Leonard Fournette is I think third on our team in receptions behind those two receivers we were just talking about. Uh, but you still have to move the chains. And, and, and to me, it's, it's, he, he doesn't want to stay in there long enough to let some plays develop. And there's been times where he's missed some, some open guys. He'll tell you that he's missed some guys. He has to be better on some, on some of his, on some of his throws. Uh, but where, but where, where he's, where he's lacking this year is, is just production. It only has eight touchdowns. You know, there's the leader in the clubhouse and touchdowns is 20. And there's a bunch of guys at 15 to 17. Uh, and he has eight touchdowns on the year. That is un Tom Brady uh, like, and there's lots of reasons for that. Some of which we've already addressed, but the reality is we got to come up this, this offense has to come up with ideas, how to put him in position to be what he has always been. And uh, we just haven't been there. Um, uh, and like it's, it's week seven, we have 10 weeks left a bye week in there after Germany. Um, they got time to figure it out. Um, and, uh, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. So let's get into your, your bread and butter a little bit, the defensive side of things. First, I feel like Bowles' scheme feels like it definitely would have lent itself to Rondé Barber pretty well. Um, And I think I've loved hearing how the players are excited to play in his scheme because he gives so many different guys the opportunity to make some big splash plays. And we've also talked about how a lot of these guys have been in his scheme only in their career almost, or it's been now years of kind of growing up under Bowles. And yet he's still saying that there are some busted coverages, there's some miscommunications, and we saw last year end on a miscommunication on defense, and so I think everybody assumed that would be such a point of emphasis that we wouldn't see it as often this year. How do you kind of lay out this scheme and what you've seen in terms of the way it is setting people up for success, but then the way that somehow there are still some lapses that are happening with it? Oh, it's it's very multiple, um, but with multiplicity comes a lot of learning, um, and if if I were uh, in, in layman's terms, very simply trying to lay out, you know, some of our, our struggles this year, it's it's that you're asking, you know, some really good football players to learn a lot. Uh, and I, I see it a lot in the in the run game. Um, you know, if you talk about if when Todd's talking about guys missed assignments and mineral error, errors and whatnot, a lot of that is. Just do your job, whatever your job is on that particular play. I mean, it may, you may only get to run that play one time in the game. Do your job that play. Uh, some, the, the breakout run, it's gap integrity. It, it's so simple. And it's, this defense allows so many guys to play, but it's also asking a lot of guys to do a lot of different things on a lot of different plays. So if you have, say, for instance, the B gap, that that run play, and I'm not trying to put them on blast here at all, if uh, Vita Vea stays in his gap. It allows the defensive end to come down and close close the, the the running back down. It's maybe a three or four yard game. It takes one guy to get a, a, a yard, half a yard out of his gap for that to gash. And then it gashed and he broke some tackles. And all of a sudden it's a 60 yard or 65 yard or whatever the heck that, that yardage run was. Uh, and that doesn't happen. You know, the, the, this, this defense has always predicated itself on being gap sound, playing strong up front, letting, the, letting our big guys take all the pressure off the second level guys. And then those guys make tackles, you know, Devin White should make every tackle in this defense is set up that way but if unless until the guys up front do their job he can't do his job and then you start you see guys start trying to do too much and then at the end of the day you're not doing your job right it's it's i love defense because it's it's 
it's not subjective. <laughs> it's it, do what you're supposed to do and the play works. And if it doesn't, we'll figure out why they schemed up that play for it not to work. Maybe we don't call it again, but, but the reality is we, we have too many good players um, to, to beat ourselves. And, it, and if you're asking me where some things have gone wrong on, on defense, it's that we're, we're trying too hard. We're trying to do too much. You're not doing your job, which means you're not trusting a guy standing next to you to do his job. And then, you know, you, you're all of a sudden not a top five run defense, which you've been for every year that Todd Bowles has been here. I mean, there's, there's somewhere in the middle of the pack right now, over 120 yards a game, I think. And that's just that's unacceptable for this, for this defense. Well, we're going to get a lot more into this defense here with Buccaneer legend Rondé Barber when we come back on Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owls Nest. Brought to you by Frontier and Hooters. This is Buccaneers Radio. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier and by Hooters. Here's Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owls Nest. I am joined by Buccaneer legend Rondé Barber, and we were just getting into this defense and what he has seen. So we talked about the scheme a little bit, and you brought up Devin White in particular as a guy that theoretically would be making every tackle if this defense is doing what it's supposed to do. And uh for both him and Levante, David, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on the way they've been able to play this year and maybe why we haven't seen quite as many of the stats or splash plays or impact plays from the two of them that we have kind of come to to expect recently. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Um, I know there was a couple of games there where Devin was out of whack. I mean, he gave up a touchdown last week that if if he just covers his guy, it's dead play. Quarterback probably gets sacked. So um, when you when you hear me talking about guys doing their job and you know not worrying about you know trying to make splash plays, like splash plays generally come to you. And I've probably said this a thousand times on your show. Um, it's preparation opportunity, right? You don't go make plays like a guy that leads the league in interceptions or leads the league in sacks. He's not out there freelancing, doing his own thing, right? He's doing his job, taking advantage of the opportunity when he, and he's put himself, he's prepared himself and put himself in position to make those plays. They just show up. Uh, for instance, the year that I had 10 interceptions back in the day, Casey, in 2002, I probably worked hard for three of those. The rest of them were just opportunity hit me in the face, right? Doing my job. Oh, ball interception. And you're like, how did he have 10 interceptions? Well, we put the tape on just doing his job. Right. And so that's, if you're asking me about those two guys, when they do their job and they do, do their job to letter of the law, letter of the defense, they play great. They, they don't. They don't need to do anything extra. They're such freak athletes, especially Devin. Devin is a, a one of a kind type of uh, football player. Size, speed, you know, uh, instinctiveness, all these other things. Uh, but you can also put yourself in position when you're trying to do too much. You put yourself out of position to make plays, and I've seen that a couple of times this year. So if the numbers are down. Uh, it, it, that could be the reason why, I mean, I'm, I'm not one to tell him that I'm just the guy watching it from, from the cheap seats now. Uh, but, but if, it, but if, if I'm looking to diagnose him and some of the things that have gone wrong this year at that position, it, it's, it's that, and it's simple fixes, right? He doesn't, he doesn't need to do anything more than, uh, be the Devin White that we know that he can be. So now how about we talk about Antoine Winfield Jr., which I feel like is going to make you really happy to talk about because uh, I think it's made a lot of Bucks fans very happy this year right. that he has been such a bright spot no matter what else has been going on in this new role, still so young. Tell us a little bit about what you've seen in terms of the way he's tackled this new role, the way it's set him up to be making incredible plays, and then yeah. now that he has entered the concussion protocol, what it would mean to be missing him 
uh, potentially this next week. Yeah, you, uh, you 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 nailed it with tackling. The guy is the best tackling safety I've ever seen. And I mean ever, ever. Um, and I, I remember his rookie year, maybe his first game, somebody had a breakup run right up the gut. And the way that he brought the runner to the ground, it was I was dumbfounded. I was like, you can't make that tackle head on. And he did. Uh, he cut the angle. He, like he took the made the runner go one direction and then wrapped him up and brought him out. And I was like, OK, that's amazing. They're like people won't think of that. It's just just a regular tackle. Uh, but then you put the film on year in and year out, game in and game out, and he just does it over and over and over again. And they're certainly asking him to do a lot. You know, playing safety and then coming down and being the nickel is is rare. I mean, obviously, uh, there's been some guys do it over the years. Buda Baker does it does it in in uh, uh, Arizona. Tyron Matthew did it for years with uh, all the teams he did Arizona and then Kansas City and and New Orleans now. Uh, but he he if 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 there was a, a a player that could define that role, safety nickel, it's it's already him. I don't know anybody that's done it better. Um, plays great in space. Uh, we already mentioned how good of a tackle he is. He has awesome anticipation and he reads defense or reads offenses as good as anybody I've ever seen. The play that you were talking about, he's in the concussion pr- protocol. The play that he made on that snap was the best play of the game on defense. Uh, he had a blocker in front of him. He foot faked him, which he's a safety. You're like, how to foot, how to safe these foot fake wide receivers? Well, he foot, foot faked him. Receiver never touched him. And then unfortunately, when he hit the guy, he kind of got a, a piece of his uh, knee and drove him, his head into the ground. That's why that's why he went to the concussion protocol. But it was an unbelievable play. And I've seen that over and over and over again from this kid. And uh, it's he's that's me. He's the best player on the field. He he's I've been saying it for weeks now. Probably went into this year knowing that. Uh, and I think Todd knew that when he moved him down there, uh, because yes, we've had some great players in there. Sean Murphy Bunting has been our nickel for for the past couple of years. But if you're looking for a more physical presence in there, it's what he brings, uh, and a guy that can cover in space and a guy that can do a good enough job playing man-to-man when he has to he's perfect candidate for it and and he's just ran with the role and uh just thriving in it so hopefully uh well we probably won't see him on thursday but hopefully he's back from uh and out of that 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 protocol quickly uh because he's he's an invaluable piece i mean you put d delaney in there who took his job and d did well enough but d delaney is not antoine winfield jr how about some of the other safeties, and especially now that we know Logan Ryan going to be out for an extended period of time, and um, where do you think we stand currently with the safety role, especially when Winfield is kind of having to duck in there and play nickel a bit? What have you seen from guys like, you know, Mike Edwards, Keanu Neal, and, and where you feel like we just are in, in general with our safeties at this point? Just in general, in the secondary, you're very thin right now. I mean, there's a reason uh, P.J. Walker was able to have the day he had yesterday. Uh, I thought – uh, Zion in his first, uh, I know you're talking, asking me about safeties, but I'll talk about the, the, the whole unit in general here, but Zion had a tough day. He's a rookie getting his first real significant game time and he struggled. He missed two or three opportunities, just guessing or thinking he was doing it right. And the touchdown was inexcusable. Um, but the safeties, Keanu Neal, I thought played great. Um, you know, he's had to take on a bigger role than probably was anticipated because, Logan got hurt uh, and now is out for uh, another extended period of time. I'm not sure he'll be back from his from his foot injury, uh, and is putting a lot of pressure on uh, uh, Mike Edwards. You know, Mike's having to do a, a bunch of different jobs that he probably wasn't really anticipating 
having to do uh, to start this year. And now, because uh, Keanu's mostly a down guy, he's not a middle of the field type of safety. Uh, he's a box guy. I mean, he played linebacker in Dallas last year. Uh, but what, what that brings you is the physical presence, where I think that's where Keanu excelled yesterday uh, in that football game. He, he's going to hit you. And uh, I think that that was noticeable to me. Um, Mike had a couple of plays, some combination coverage where he was just he was out of position. The, the second touchdown, he was just a touch out of position in quarters coverage. And the outside receiver ended up breaking out and, or breaking past him and touchdown. Um, you know, those those type of plays you don't expect from a guy that's been there and done that and uh they, they have to play better put it that way if you're down guys uh you're, you're being asked to do a lot more than probably you've anticipated having to do and and the 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 bottom line is if you don't you're gonna get beat and this the safety room is very thin now um uh, i think we only have three healthy safeties uh on the, on the 53 if antoine is out and now Logan's on uh, on IR for the next couple of weeks. So you're looking at young guys, right? You're looking at um, Nolan, right? Uh, who dressed last, uh, who dressed uh, this past week for the first time. Um, those guys might be asked to be in a position to play. And, uh, you know, you're going to get good. You're going to get bad with the young players. And we've seen that. And I know that forcing turnovers is has been a hallmark of this defense as well. And now that it's been three straight games without one, what would you say is the the biggest culprit of that and how that could be a stat to get turned around? Because it does feel like that's really what's been missing, that those those momentum-changing, just massive impact plays on the defense, and especially to give the offense that jolt when they haven't been able to necessarily produce it themselves. Yeah, when you, you ask yourself, how do turnovers happen? Well, first of all, uh, hitting the quarterback, causing a fumble, uh, easiest way to do it, right? If somebody's dropping back. Uh, fumbles are fluky in, 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 in general, whether it's in the run game or the pass game, fumbles are fluky. Um, you know, you can say you can cause them. Yes. But for reality, you gotta make tackles first before you cause fumbles. Uh, so, so that culprit is, is what it is, but to me, it's, it's, it's pressure. Uh, and the last couple of games teams, uh, really last three games, if you think about it, uh, teams have figured out how to, uh, uh prevent themselves from, having to deal with with uh, Shaq Barrett and Joe Tryon. And that's by three-step drop, getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands. And the, the, when I look at our, 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 our defense, the way it's setting itself up, because a couple of years ago, if I can turn back the clock, a couple of years ago, Todd liked to play his corners on line scrimmage, close all that distance, so quarterbacks were forced to hold the football a lot. But that also puts you in a vulnerable position where teams could just find the one guy that they like, the one matchup that they like, and take advantage of that matchup. So past couple of years, he's out, he's he's clearly uh, uh, leaned more towards zone coverage. But you, in in doing that, you're giving your receivers so much more time. And if you watch PJ Walker, and if you watch. Uh, Kenny Pickett last week, and then Mitch Trubisky when he took over for Kenny Pickett last week. Ball's coming out of their hands so fast, and our and our pass rushes just nullified. Uh, so how do you how do you solve for that? Uh, you got to close the gap <laughs> on the on the back end of the, of the secondary. Uh, but again, that's putting some young players now like like Zion Zion in tough positions, right, where they have to win at the line of scrimmage. And I don't think that Todd's really ready to do that because our offense is traditionally not right now but traditionally been so good all you have to do is keep the ball in front of you let team other teams make mistakes and and beat you um that hasn't happened uh and uh, if you're not getting turnovers you're losing that battle 
Uh, it's very hard to win in the NFL, especially when you're not scoring points. And uh, they, they, they just have to show up. And I, I, you heard me at the beginning talk about change for change. Don't be surprised if you see some little changes in the way that we 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 are covering and playing teams because it's it's pretty clear that teams have a have a uh, have a, uh, a method for for trying to attack this defense at this point. We're talking to Bucks legend Rondé Barber, and when you bring up Shaq and, and Joe Tryon, it sounds like you feel like it is what the offenses are doing, getting the ball out quickly, that is keeping them from being the impact guys that maybe we thought they could be or have been. Is that it, or do you feel like there is also something? on their end that isn't happening that could or should happen? Oh, I mean, the, the, the easiest answer to that is you want to rush the passer. You got to stop the run, right? That's 101. It's the first thing you learn defensive football. Once you get to the highest levels, uh, you don't get a chance to rush the passer until you stop the other team from running the football and putting your, putting themselves in short yarded situations. Um, this team thrives when they get the third and eight, or at least over the years, when they've gotten the third and eight and the offense is looking down the barrel of two edge rushers and big push from the interior or whatever blitz Todd Bowles decides to scheme up and dial at you uh, and not enough time to, to throw the football. Uh, that hasn't been the case literally the past couple of weeks. Ball's coming out so fast. They're letting guys run with it. Uh, and uh, you just, you don't get the, op- they're not getting the opportunity to pin their ears back and go. Um, uh, and that's, that's, it's no fault of their own other than the fault of the entire defense, not putting yourself in position to, to rush the passer. Uh, and that's, you're not going to see production unless you get those, unless you get those opportunities. All right, we have one more segment coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owl's Nest with Buccaneer legend Rondé Barber, brought to you by Frontier and Hooters. This is Buccaneers Radio. Now more on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier and by Hooters. Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owl's Nest, joined by Buccaneer legend Rondé Barber. And uh, the, the last little part of the defense I feel like we haven't talked as much about is that D-line. Um, what have you seen from them in terms of, again, it's the, the challenge of you, you bring Akeem Hicks in, you think this idea of him and Vita together is going to be this unstoppable force, and then unfortunately he goes down with an injury. So you're having to ask Nacho to step in more, maybe asking a little bit more from Logan Hall. Uh, how do you feel like the the loss of Akeem Hicks ended up affecting this D-line and where they could go regardless of when he comes back? Yeah, significantly. Um, you know, I, I remember think, seeing at some points or talking to some, some guys at some points during training camp and talking about how it just impactful Akeem Hicks was going to be. And three games in, he's out. Obviously, you stick... Uh, yeah, Keem next to Vita, it's the, the biggest massive humanity that's ever <laughs> sat inside of a defensive line ever, uh, uh, and, and 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 it hurts. So now you're asking, yeah, you're asking uh, Rakeem to to play a little bit more. You're asking Deidrin to play a little bit more, and Deidrin's played pretty well. Um, but in terms of you know being a big time run defender, Logan Hall's not that yet. I mean, Logan's a quick twitch. You know, he's a big body, but he's a quick twitch pass rusher interior that's what he did in college um so it's 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 certainly disrupted some of the things that we've tried tried to do inside but at the end of the day you still have to you still have to those guys still have to do their job they still have to take up the slack for missing Akeem uh and at times they have at times they have not we've had 
probably more gash type runs against us this year than I've seen in a, a long, long time. Uh, I don't want to say that's the, the the sole reason, but it certainly doesn't help. Will Golston, what he has meant to this franchise, because he is now past one Warren Sapp for the most games played as a D lineman in franchise history. And I think he's even just in the top 10 of all players in games played for this franchise. Now, what have you seen from him and the impact that he has that I feel like so often goes unnoticed that there's, I think, Levante David who doesn't get enough respect. And then to me, Will Golston would maybe be a close second on that. Yeah, he's been in the league for 10 years and not many people know about not many Crazy. People, Like You don't stay in the league for 10 years unless you're a good player. Uh, yeah, Will's in, invaluable. He, invaluable. He plays that in, interior defensive line, defensive end position. I mean, when he first when we first drafted him, he was drafted as a as a four three defensive end. I don't think that he is. I think he's a three four defensive end, which essentially means that he plays inside of an edge rusher. Uh, now I, he's much better uh, in the in the in the role that Todd has him now uh, for the past four or five years uh, than he ever was uh, as an edge. Um, come out of Michigan State, I mean, 6'6", six, six, a guy that wasn't like a speedster. I don't think, he, I mean, he was like a 4'9", 40 guy, right? It wasn't like he was ever going to be a, a blazer on the edge. Um, he was just going to be a tough guy and a guy that does all the dirty work inside. And that's exactly what he's done uh, for 10 years. And you can tell how much uh, the staff and the coaches, uh, they trust him. And they know they can put him in there. Uh, and, and get consistency out of them. Um, are you going to get a lot of production, like huge sack numbers? No, but you're going to get exactly what you see out of them week in and week out. Uh, and that's doing your job, staying, giving a push up front, allowing other players to make plays for you. Um, you know, I love Will. Will's uh, one, of, one, of, one of the guys I put on the film and know that exactly what I'm going to see from him. So it's, it's good to have those type of players. We're talking to Bucks legend Rondé Barber. And so now let's turn the page to this Ravens game because it is coming in fast. Uh, what do you think is going to look like Thursday night trying to contain Lamar Jackson and just facing this Ravens team overall, the, the, the matchups on each side of the ball that you think are going to be particularly challenging? How about Lamar? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lamar is a one-man wrecking crew, man. There's only two quarterbacks uh, in the league uh, lead their team in passing and rushing. Uh, Lamar's one, Josh Allen's the other. So obviously rare company there. Um, and Josh, I think only has 230 yards rushing. Lamar has 510. He's the fifth leading rusher period in the NFL. So it's, it's, it's him. He's a one man show. He's not on a mission. He's been that way, uh, the entire year. Uh, and he continues to put his, his team on their back. Now this team is now, I've I've done some deep dives into them uh, past couple of weeks because there's only uh, two teams that this year that have had double-digit leads in every single game. One is Philly, who's undefeated. The other is the Ravens, <laughs> who are four and three. Uh, so this could be a seven and zero football team uh, played as well as they play in the first half of games. But the reality is they make every game close. Cleveland almost came back, probably had a chance to win that game uh, this past Sunday. Um, if not for uh, a, a, a passing, an offensive pass interference on a, a go ahead touchdown last week. Ravens defense has leaves a little bit to be desired. I think right now they lost their defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, who's now the defensive coordinator on the five and one New York giants. Um, so the, their scheme is the same, but they're not playing as well in the scheme as they have in the past. So I think there's some opportunities there. Um, they have Marcus Peters, one of the greatest 
corners of his generation. I know he came off injury last year. He hasn't played as well. Marlon Humphrey's another great player on the other side of the ball. So the, uh, but our matchups, I think with Mark, with Mike and Chris Godwin, Russell Gage in the slot uh, favor us because uh, this team gives up a lot of points on defense. The Baltimore Ravens do, especially in the second half of games. We just have to get ourselves in a position where they're going to have to chase us. Uh, and if you do, I think you I think you you win the game. And on paper, I like the way I like the way we match up against them. Well, I also know you and I are going to get a chance to do a Q&A in Germany coming up. Uh, how excited are you to be a part of this trip to Germany? And, and maybe what would that have been like for you as a player as well to get a chance to go play there? Uh, I, I think I would have liked to go over a little bit earlier than this current Bucks team is going over because I've never been to Germany. This is my first trip to Germany. I can't wait. Uh, been to almost everywhere else in Europe, never been to Germany. So, um, but yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I can't wait. And uh, as the self-appointed leader of the... Uh, Rondé Barber Hall of Fame hype train. Uh, I'm going to close this show. By I really open with that. Come on. I know. <laughs> I'm closing with it. I want it to be the final thing that people remember. And I'm closing it by just reading these stats in case there's anyone who has any say in this listening to the show. You just never know. Only player in league history to record at least 45 interceptions and at least 25 sacks. Only one in history to make 200 consecutive starts at the cornerback position. And your games played and starts are both franchise records. And you never missed a game due to injury. You hold the all-time record for interceptions and defensive touchdowns for the Buccaneers. You redefine the slot corner position and only three players in the history of the league own more non-offensive touchdowns. So that is how I wanted to close the show in case anybody decides they need to reevaluate decisions here. That's what we're all about on this. And of course, most importantly of all those stats is the one that you're a stand-up guy who's willing to come on a radio show after a very challenging game. So Rondé, thank you as always for your time here and we really appreciate it. What you said. That. Retweet. <laughs> Hashtag and retweet. All right. That's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owl's Nest with Buccaneer legend Rondé Barber. Brought to you by Frontier and Hooters. This is Buccaneers Radio.